Welcome to the Outlaw Radio Show. My name is Zach Adams, and I pastor a church located just outside of Athens, Georgia. The name of the church is Calvary 316. If you're local, let me invite you to come be uh, my guest one Sunday morning. Uh, Our service begins promptly at 10.30 a.m. If you're not local, but let's say you're listening on the radio or via our podcast, and you're looking for a good service that you can maybe attend digitally, we live stream our service, again, at 10.30 a.m. every Sunday morning. And you can uh, find our YouTube channel. You can subscribe. You can watch our service live. Uh, Calvary316.live is the easiest way to find it. We also stream... Uh, on facebook.com slash calvary316. Uh, to learn more about the church, if you're interested, uh, visit calvary316.tv. Uh, to access our teaching archive, uh, check out c316.tv. Um, again, YouTube channel, calvary316.live. Uh, again, wherever you're listening or however you're listening, if you're listening one of via one of our wonderful radio partners, or let's say you're listening to the podcast of the episode. Every episode of the Outlaw Radio Show is podcasted in its entirety, Apple, Google, Spotify, uh, or maybe you happen to be watching uh, the show. We record uh, the show. We live stream the recording. Uh, The easiest way to watch is on our YouTube channel, which is outlawradio.live. Every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock, um, I record the show live. We stream it. Uh, Creighton Vaughn is always with me. He's on the show periodically. Uh, he's kind of the man behind the live stream. Also joined by a friend of mine, Nick, uh, who is kind of the resident audience member. Uh, and then we have another chair where we bring in uh, a different person each week. Uh, last couple of weeks, it's been one of our brothers, Derek. Um, and then between blocks of the audio you're listening to, again, whether this is radio or podcast, Uh, Between these blocks, we have a conversation as a group about what I'm talking about. They share some thoughts, really kind of enhances and seasons uh, the content of what we're trying to accomplish uh, here on Outlaw Radio. Regardless, I do hope you stay with me over the next hour as I seek to deconstruct the negative perception the world has of Christians by boldly discussing today's relevant topics in an honest and genuine way. And today we're going to do something a little bit different. I know over the last few weeks, really over the last year, I mean, good grief, we, we, there, a lot has been going on culturally. A lot has been going on in our world uh, that has necessitated a show that claims to talk about relevant topics for us to address. Uh, from COVID-19 to the election to kind of all points in between. Good grief, we even had a, uh, a Supreme Court justice uh, pass away and one get nominated and confirmed. All that happened this year. A lot of things happened in 2020. And so here now, being in 2021, I, I want to... The election's behind us. Uh, We're still in the midst of this pandemic, but some of those things are shaking. I want to talk about uh, something that is important, and it's the idea of eschatology. Uh, If you're not a theologian or not, uh, let's say, up on certain uh, theological terms, eschatology is really just the study of the end. Uh, the end of days, the end times, the second coming of Jesus Christ, the Great Tribulation, the Battle of Armageddon, the Apocalypse. It's the study of, of these things that uh, are prophetic uh, within Scripture. Uh, you will find these prophecies dealing with the end all over the Old Testament. You'll find them really emphasized a great deal uh, by the prophet Daniel. Uh, you'll find them in the New Testament, uh, yes, spoken of by Jesus extensively in what's known as the Olivet Discourse, which is in uh, three of the four Gospels. Uh, Paul writes about the end times and specifically 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians. He talks about it a bit in 1 Corinthians. Um, it kind of the idea weaves its way through the New Testament, but then becomes an emphasis of the book of Revelation. Now, if you were attending a church, so recently, I, I, I know this because recently I started a series through the book of Revelation. I titled it The Revelation of the King, which I'm going to explain a little bit more towards the end of today's episode. Um, I know that if you if you hear someone say, we're going to do a verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter Bible study going through the book of Revelation, your initial reaction, um, for, for a lot of people, it's it's not going to be really exciting. Um, in fact, I was was talking to, um, I was at, we were at a, a kid's birthday party. I was talking to like one of the aunts of the kids and inviting her to church. And she was like, oh, well, what are you going through? And I was like, we're going through the book of Revelation. She was like, uh, yeah, I'm out. Just let me know when you're done and I'll come to church. Um, for, for a lot of people, it's a big turnoff, which I'll get into in a minute. There are some people, though, um, at least culturally uh, within Christian circles, that get really geeked up 
uh, for a study of the book of Revelation, and they get geeked up for really like one of three reasons. One, they're kind of weird. Uh, I, I put these people into uh, the category of like they're Alex Jones fans. They love global conspiracies. Um, and, and so they're just kind of weird. And, and in regards to the book of Revelation, this just kind of hits where they're at. Uh, if you're excited about the study of end times, maybe you were also like homeschooled or like really isolated from the world growing up. And, and if you're unsure if you're that person, um, if you have uh, at home a complete collection of all 16 left behind books and Kirk Cameron is your favorite actor, um, you, you fit into this category. I'm, this, I'm not throwing shade. I'm not hating on you. I'm just saying that it, it's just kind of a, a, a category of people. Uh, there are other people that, that get geeked up on the book of revelation because they're just kind of morbid. Like they love uh, death and destruction and zombies and the apocalypse. They just kind of uh, uh, really enjoy that particular subject matter. The truth, and I don't think I'm going out on a limb when I say this is that is that most people, the majority of people in today's society, today's culture, even our Christian culture aren't excited about any series dealing with the book of revelation or just even the topic in general. And, and if that's you listening, uh, don't worry, because I'm in a lot of ways, I mean, right there with you. Uh, if you had told me uh, over a year ago um, that um, following a series that I was doing presently through the book of Leviticus, that at some point in 2020, I would be doing a verse by verse study in the book of Revelation, I would have thought at the time that you were completely off your rockers. Let me explain kind of my background with the book of Revelation because I think it's it's important. So my first experience with the book of Revelation goes all the way back to 1993. And I know that sounds like an introduction to a really terrible John Mayer song, but, but that's, that's the truth. I was 10 years old, and for whatever reason, I had to spend an evening uh, at the church with my dad, who was a pastor. Uh, he was pastoring at Calvary Chapel, uh, the church he still pastors today. Uh, which was located in a little building off of 2nd Street, right in the heart of downtown Stone Mountain, Georgia. Now, my dad sensed that I was bored, and so he suggested while he was taking care of, and I don't know what he was taking care of, but while he was doing his thing, he suggested I sit in the secretary's office and read my Bible. Again, I'm 10, I can read, read my Bible, he'd finish up some meetings, we'd go home. Now, I didn't know what to do, what to read, where to begin, so what did I do? I landed on the revelation of Jesus Christ, the book of Revelation. I probably landed on the book of Revelation after a few minutes of playing uh, Bible roulette. And if you don't know what Bible roulette is, is you close your eyes and you just kind of thumb through and you put your finger down and you start reading. And that's really never a good idea. I decided I'd read the book of Revelation. Now, keep in mind, I'm in the fourth grade. I have a decent level of reading comprehension. Um, In retrospect, kind of with its PG-13 rating, the book of Revelation was not a good place for a 10-year-old to start reading the Bible on his own. So, as you can imagine, roughly an hour or so later, my dad comes into the office with briefcase in tow, telling me, Zach, it's time to head home. I didn't answer. And he found me hiding under Miss Judy's desk, crying. I was in tears. And my dad was like, Zach, what's wrong? And and I replied, Dad, I'm scared. The world's going to end. A quarter of the world's population is going to die. I hadn't gotten to some of the later judgments where another third dies. Uh, All the vegetation, Dad, is going to get burned up. All the seas are going to turn to blood. All the fish are going to die. There's going to be no fresh water to drink. Dad, war's coming. The Antichrist is going to behead anyone who doesn't take the mark of the beast. I mean, heavy, again, for a 10-year-old. So my dad looked at me kind of rather perplexed. and He was like, Zach, what have you been reading? And I replied, Dad, I've been reading the book of Revelation. Now, at this point, my dad calmly kind of helped me out from under the desk. We turned off the lights. We locked the front door. We loaded up in his 85 Corolla, and we made our way home. And as we were doing so, he explained to me that, yes, while all of the things I mentioned were going to happen, that Jesus was going to rapture the church home to heaven first. It's as though Zach, he said, Zach, because you've given your life to Jesus— Uh, you won't be here to experience any of these terrible things. Now, to be honest, and again, I'm just going to be brutally honest here, though I took solace in that reality that night as I tried to fall asleep, I'm still completely and utterly freaked out. Like, I didn't understand 
Like why God would, would have to judge the world in such a way. I didn't have my theology fully worked out. I was worried again by those who would be left behind. What would happen to my dog? Like, in fact, as, as, as I considered these things, I decided at that moment that I needed at least one friend that wasn't a Christian thinking that I needed someone that isn't going to be raptured who could come over and let my dog out of the house so she wouldn't starve to death. Again, I'm 10 kind of processing all of these things. And aside from that, and you're unlikely to hear a pastor make such a confession, but I know some of you understand what I'm saying. Like, I remember even in that moment and some of the years to come praying, like, not that the rapture wouldn't happen, but wouldn't happen now. Like, yeah, I love Jesus. Heaven sounded great. Sounded cooler than hell. No pun intended. But like, I wanted Jesus to maybe like wait so I could live and experience a little bit of life. I mean, can you relate to that? Now, now my second significant experience with the book of Revelation came as a 16-year-old. So about six years after this, 1999 was about to give way to 2000. As Prince said, everyone was getting ready for that party, right? We're going to party like it's like it's too, like we're going into 2000, this new millennium. And, and if you recall, the entire world was really geeked up, concerned, freaked out over Y2K. You know, Y2K was this idea that all the computer systems that controlled everything, from banking to air travel to like the nuclear arsenal was going to crash the very moment the internal time sequences flipped to zero zero 2000. Now to make the entire situation more stressful, prominent church leaders were warning biblical prophecy indicated that our new year's Eve parties might very well end with the rapture. That kind of freaked me out a little. Now, yeah, you're supposed to be excited about this. But again, I remember asking Jesus, like, I want you to come back. But could you wait, you know, till I can get married? You know, because again, I'm, I'm, I'm a 16-year-old chase Christian who regarding certain experiences in life would have maybe enjoyed experiencing those things in the bond of marriage before the rapture. Like again, as a 16 year old, Y2K 2000, the world's going to end what's going on. Now, clearly my prayers were answered because Y2K came and left without incident. The church wasn't raptured to heaven when the clock struck midnight. But even then as a believer sensing and seeing how the world was so worked up about Y2K, I just thought to myself, man, like Christians look ridiculous. Like we we look silly getting worked up about these things. And, and, and I blamed it in the moment, and I will say wrongly, but I blamed it on the church's obsession with the book of Revelation. Now, now when we come back from a quick break, uh, I, I want to kind of round out because, again, my understanding of the book of Revelation wasn't limited to a 10-year-old perspective or 16-year-old perspective. I would come to gain a greater understanding of the book, but I want to place all of this stuff into a cultural context and in the end hope to, to, to paint a mosaic by which you understand why I believe the study of eschatology, the study of the book of Revelation, is more important today than maybe it has ever been. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Outlaw Radio Show. One of the most important visions of the Outlaw Radio Show is our desire to challenge you to think critically, ask relevant questions, and then pursue answers on your own. The sad reality is many Christians fail to reflect Christ because they don't know what they believe or why they believe what they do. This is why, in addition to the Outlaw Radio Show tackling tough topics you might not hear at church, it is our desire to equip, inspire, and challenge you to dig into God's Word and wrestle with these complex topics on your own. To help you in this important process, we want you to check out blueletterbible.org. It would be an understatement to say that this website will transform the way you study the Bible. In fact, it will revolutionize it. 
Aside from their treasure trove of free online commentaries, blueletterbible.org also has an incredible word search function, making it super simple to dive into the original language behind a text. So if you want to dig deeper into your study of scripture and in the process, learn and grow, we encourage you to check out blueletterbible.org today. Welcome back to the Outlaw Radio Show. The thesis of today's episode is that I believe eschatology, or the study of end times, the book of Revelation, is more pertinent, more relevant than maybe um, at any point. You know, over the last 20 years, I have personally studied the book of Revelation in, in great detail. Uh, I've taken a collegiate class uh, on the book. I have a degree in theology. Uh, yeah, I might have slept through most of it, but... I still have that degree. Uh, I've read most of the uh, several of the most comprehensive commentaries, most respected commentaries on the book. I've listened to a dozen expositions through the Book of Revelation. I've even taught the book a couple times as a youth pastor. Um, I'm doing presently a verse by verse study at Calvary 316. So I've studied the book, and while I've come to greatly appreciate the Book of Revelation, like my greatest hesitation has always been regarding teaching it from the pulpit is that I feel like the book has been used and abused to address cultural issues, real cultural issues, just really poorly. And as a result of the way that the book has been used by evangelicals in the last 20, 30 years, one of my hesitations about the book of Revelation is I believe it's kind of been distorted from the purpose itself and in turn has kind of fostered this perception that Christians are kind of tin-foiled, hat-wearing escapists. And I want to correct that misconception. Now, in order to explain what I mean, and in doing so, I hope to establish why I believe it's, it's important to study the book, while also demonstrating how I think my approach has been different, um, I, I want to unpack, and, and you got to kind of roll with me here, but I want to unpack the very interesting and complex history of American culture and its unique relationship with the book of Revelation. Now, I know our world seems chaotic. And like, who knows what the next nine years of this decade holds. But, but let's, be, let's be real. The 1960s proved to be one of the most difficult 10-year stretches in American history. First, the military was quagmired in Vietnam, which gave rise to the anti-war movement. While Bob Dylan sang in protest, Muhammad Ali sat in a cell over his refusal to be drafted. Thousands would take to the streets to make their voices heard in protest. Aside from this, racial tensions were at the forefront of the national consciousness. In 64, the Civil Rights Act passed, expanding voting rights, ending discrimination in the workplace, forging, uh, forcing schools to desegregate. Sadly, these deep-seated cultural divisions between races were not helped. They were not aided. Uh, you had the reversed racism of the Black Power Movement. You had the assassinations later of MLK and Malcolm X. You know, in spite of the progress, the 60s saw increases in violence, riots, cities burned. There was an explosion of crime in urban communities. And while all of these things were taking place, the culture itself was also experiencing nothing shy of revolutionary times. Disillusioned with the status quo, high school and college-age kids were breaking from the norms, breaking from long-held traditions of their parents. You know, the black and white world of the 1950s transformed literally into a kaleidoscope of color in the 60s. Cotton trousers were exchanged for polyester bell-bottoms, Leave it to Beaver for I Dream of Genie. With Elvis busy attempting to make a career in film, America changed on February 7th, 1964, when Beatlemania officially swept the country. From there in 66, Hendrix shared a stage with Cream. By the late 60s, Pink Floyd, Jefferson Airplane, and the Grateful Dead had taken psychedelic rock mainstream. Along with the music came an explosion in drug use, which ultimately led to a sexual revolution that exchanged monogamy for the perversion of free love. And in the midst of a culture in flux, you had this growing confrontation between the United States and the Soviet Union. 
I mean, that was an inescapable part of everyone's life. I mean, both of these superpowers were rapidly developing their nuclear stockpiles, all while attempting to expand their strategic alliances and ideologies around the globe. The space race dominated politics, consumed national budgets, created an explosion in debt. In 1961, the USSR successfully put the first man in space. Only eight years later, in 69, the United States planted our flag on the moon. In October of 62, a missile crisis 90 miles off the coast of Florida brought the world to the brink of a full-scale nuclear disaster. With the communists now in Cuba, basements were converted into bomb shelters. Food was stockpiled and gas masks procured. Fire drills in school were exchanged for duck and cover simulations. Like in the end, the assassinations of JFK in 63 and his brother Bobby in 68 only heightened our sense of this growing communist threat and exacerbated many of the national concerns with the establishment in D.C. As America transitioned from the 60s to the 70s, there was no question people were truly worried about the future and concerned about everything where everything was rapidly heading. Like cities were ablaze by countercultural groups rebelling against the establishment. In fact, between January of 69 and April of 70, America sustained 4,330 bombings that resulted in 43 deaths. Racial tensions were red hot. Societal norms had been flipped upside down. Faith in our institutions and the ruling class would be further diminished. When on August 9th, 1974, President Richard Nixon was forced to resign from the office as a result of the Watergate scandal. By the end of the decade, the country would be facing gas shortages, double-digit inflation, and a a hostage crisis where 52 Americans were held in Iran for 444 long days. You know, the simple truth is while the media may have celebrated Woodstock in 69, This cultural and sexual revolution had left a generation of hippies burned out, drugged up, and empty. Like over the course of a 10-month period, amazingly, between 1970 and 71, rock heroes Hendrix, Joplin, Wilson, and Morrison were all dead from drug overdoses. And to make it all worse, on top of everything else, There was this daunting fear that World War III could break out at any moment. And it's with this backdrop in mind that something interesting took place within the American Christian church grappling with how to reach such a culture. Again, the fundamental question, cultural question, on everyone's mind coming into the 70s and all throughout the 80s centered on an uncertain future. What was the world uh, coming to? Was the world going to come to an end? What if I die? As we turn the page on the 60s, in 1970, Christian book publisher Zondervan took a chance on a campus crusade for Christ evangelist by the name of Hal Lindsey, who published his first nonfiction titled The Late Great Planet Earth. Having spent a large portion of the 60s ministering to students at Berkeley and UCLA, Lindsey was convinced that young people were hungry for a biblical understanding of the end times. He felt it was relevant, and he was right. The cultural appetite was enormous. According to an article written in the National Endowment for the Humanities titled The Late Great Planet Earth Made Apocalypse a Popular Concern, columnist Aaron Smith notes how people graveled, uh, gravitated to this book, writing, quote, in order to reconcile disturbing events in the news with predictions made in prophetic books of the Bible, The late great planet Earth made it appear that the world was completely under God's control and history was unfolding exactly as God intended. Readers were told that they had a special role in convincing others of the truth so they could accept Jesus as their savior in time to be rescued from the impending apocalypse. Like the book was so successful, the New York Times says, quote, the late great planet Earth was the best nonfiction book of the entire 1970s. Today, it sold over 35 million copies. You know, because of the cultural interest concerning the end times, in light of the things taking place in the world, beginning with Hal Lindsey, the 70s and 80s would see an explosion 
of Christians, Christian books and expositions dealing with the book of Revelation. In 1976, Pastor Chuck Smith of Calvary Chapel would write a book on the rapture titled Snatched Away. In 1977, he then published Revelation Commentary, What the World is Coming to. A year later, in 1978, Smith wrote a bestseller, End Times, a report on future survival. I mean, everyone was captivated. With Sunday sermons and Revelation drawing huge crowds. I mean, Christians were more interested in the rapture and the study of eschatology than ever before. But it wasn't just Christians. Like, the world was also interested. In fact, this phenomenon is perfectly illustrated in the reality that most of the gospel tracts during this time period centered almost entirely on selling the idea that accepting Jesus' salvation would ensure you go to heaven and not hell, that you might be raptured so you could escape the end of the world in the apocalypse. What's interesting about all of this is that by the mid-1990s, cultural climate in America had changed, hadn't it? Like the Cold War was now over and no one was fearing a nuclear winter. Peace and security were felt at home. Racial tensions had largely dissipated. There were no longer riots in the streets, largely. The economy was booming. In fact, the, the cultural grunge movement had become so intertwined with commercialism that it manifested very little societal change. You know, because no one was concerned about the future of the world in the 90s, which seems secure, and were instead consumed with how to get the most out of life today, Christianity also pivoted. So you, you got to keep that in mind. The 60s, the 70s, what was happening culturally drove people to this concern, this consideration of the end times. How is this going to play out? What is this all about? What happens to me when I die? The culture was driving the interest and made the book of Revelations very relevant, which made it popular. Things changed in the 90s, which is why you see a pivot in Christianity. Now, when we come back here with the Outlaw Radio Show, we're going to pick that up. We're going to, I'm going to explain a little bit of that more. Uh, contact information, check out our website, outlawradio.org. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Over the years, the book of Revelation has been taught and discussed throughout churches and even culture, even movies and book series have been written about this book. Today, Pastor Zach is unpacking a little bit more about the reasons that we should consider studying this book and what it might truly mean. Don't go anywhere. Come back in just a moment for the second half of the Outlaw Radio Show. Here's Zach Adams with more on the book of Revelation. Welcome back to the Outlaw Radio Show. So why has the book of Revelation and the study of the end times and eschatology largely fallen out of favor? I mean, you go back to the 60s, the 70s, even into the 80s. I mean, it was any book written on the book of Revelation was the number one seller. Sermon series, uh, the churches were packed out. And again, it was related to things going on in the culture. You saw it in the way that uh, uh, Bible tracts were crafted. Give your life to Jesus, uh, be raptured, uh, escape the apocalypse. Again, it's a selling point when you think the end of the world is near. But you get into the 90s and a lot of the things within the culture pertinent in the 60s and 70s had changed. Like no one was concerned in the 90s about the future of the world. The Cold War was over. Like geopolitics, things kind of seemed secure. Like instead in the 90s, people were mostly concerned with like, how do I get the most out of today? And and you see this reflected in, in cultural Christianity. What began to sell? In 2000, Molnith Books released Bruce Wilkinson's The Prayer of Jabez, breaking through to the blessed life. Not to be outdone, in 2002, Zonovan took another chance on an unknown California pastor named Rick Warren. They published The Purpose Driven Life. The Purpose Driven Life quickly became a number one bestseller, topping the New York Times uh, list. Uh, since then, I mean, you just go to the, uh, the Christian bookstore and you'll see this, or go to Amazon Books, you'll see it. Self-help books have topped the Christian charts 
and seeker-friendly churches have become the trend. Like over the last decade plus, very few churches have even mentioned biblical prophecy, yet alone spend any time on it from the pulpit. You don't see studies on the book of Revelation all that much. Like even evangelical tracts pivoted. Like they, they were no longer focused on your future destiny, but they were focused on how accepting Jesus will improve your present life. It was no longer about uh, eternity, but the moment. You know, as one can imagine, with sh- such a shift in interest, books on the end times were no longer vogue, sermon series on the book of Revelation, few and far between. So I get back to the original question, like why do I believe that eschatology matters today? Because, oh, I do. And I think it's changed. I think we've seen a cultural change, again, in the course of the last year, maybe two. Like, in fact, I, I, I want to make the argument that the events over the last 10 to to 12 months have created another dramatic shift in the things that people are concerned about, Christians, non-Christians alike. I mean, think about it for just a minute. You know, like the 60s, there's a lot of similarities. You know, like the 60s, the the future of our coming decade is really uncertain, isn't it? Like today, right now, what are people worried about? (laughs) Well, they're worried about the future, aren't they? People right now are worried about our jobs. What's going to happen in the economy? People are worried about health and this pandemic. People are worried about our, ch- our children and, and their education and safety. And TIFO revolutionaries are, are again rioting in the streets. For months, they've been setting fires to cities. Those on, on, on the far right storm the Capitol building. Like, while everyone can agree that, that, that there's room for improved policing, we have seen kind of this, this re- reversed racism of BLM. Left-wing groups pointing to white fragility as kind of the core ill of our society. We have a new administration in, in the White House pointing to these things saying that, that it's white privilege that's restricting any type of, of meaningful progress. Equality has somehow been exchanged for equity. You know, I mean, people don't like, and it's not really good for societal harmony, people don't like when their children are being called racist simply because they were born with a certain skin color. You know, culturally, there are forces right now seeking to transform our norms again, like in the 60s through a new type of sexual revolution. Like for the first time in history, one's gender can be, can be fluid. As fluid as one's sexual orientation. Unless, by the way, you happen to identify as gay and then it's impossible for you to ever change. I still haven't figured that one out. It's just a few months ago. The largest state in the union, Californication, legalized pedophilia. Like, according to a law passed by the Democratic legislature and quickly signed into law by Gavin Newsom, as long as the sexual interaction is homosexual and occurs between a child and adult no more than 10 years their senior, it's completely legal. It's crazy. And just wait, polyamory? Where three or more consenting adults want to marry? That's going to be the next civil rights issue of our time. Like, there's no question we are experiencing, like, this cultural rot unseen in our country. I mean, the number one song of this past year, according to Billboard, was a song by, by Cardi B I can't even mention. It's only, it's only titled by initials. It's grotesque. Like, not only does the song objectify women, but the sexual content in the lyrics is so graphic and perverse that there's literally no part of the song I could quote. Like, it's completely depraved. And to add injury to insult, this is the same Cardi B who, who was granted more interviews with the presidential candidate, Joe Biden, than the largest news network on the planet, Fox News. <laughs> and then you've got Netflix and, and their, their movie Cuties, like, created for the sex offenders list. Just gross. You know, as I relay the things that, that are weighing on our hearts, you know what I haven't even mentioned? I haven't mentioned a global pandemic the one we're in the midst of. 
You know, cases began emerging in Wuhan late 2019, but since then, COVID-19 has spread around the globe. It's wrecked the economy. It's disproportionately targeted the most vulnerable, the elderly. Like worldwide right now, 100 million people have been infected with roughly uh, 2.16 million people dying in 10 months. You know, as we all seek to make the best decisions for ourselves and our families, the grand struggle in all of this is, is what to believe. Who do you trust? How deadly is COVID? Do we really believe the numbers? Where did it originate? Is a vaccine reliable? Does the disease affect our kids or not? I thought one mask worked. Now I'm being told two or three is better. To compound matters, the media lies. The who is corrupt. Our elected politicians are partisan. Our local leaders are drunk on power. Illogic is everywhere. Protesting is happening in the streets. Shopping at Walmart, both completely safe, but somehow going to church is dangerous. Most alarmingly, many of our fundamental freedoms enshrined in the Constitution have been set aside under this guise of a public health emergency. It's craziness. The CDC guidelines are ever-changing. Remember 15 days to curve, flatten the curve? It'll be like 15 months to flatten the curve. At one point, you don't need to wear a mask because they don't work, but now you need to wear a mask or you'll kill grandma. It's, it's Masking up to get to your seat in a restaurant is absolutely necessary, but don't worry. Once you sit down, you can take your mask off because you know COVID doesn't affect people while they eat. What? Like It's, it's, it's just insanity. You know, it might be true that the USSR is no longer a, a, a geopolitical foe, threat. But, I mean, people are thinking about communist China, right? What was their role in the spread of the disease? Did they manufacture it? Was it accidentally released from a, a, a lab? Did it come naturally from a, from a wet market? Could the CCP have done more to stop the pandemic? Did they choose intentionally not to do anything? What does this mean for U.S.-Chinese relations? Could there be a conflict viewing? Will there be another uh, arms race? Like, let's be real. Where we sit today, are culturally, people are afraid and we're worried about the future. Like, there is a national uneasiness to where everything is is headed. You can feel it. It's palpable. Can we trust the results of the last elections? Did Biden really win 80 million votes? If that's true, is America really embracing socialism? And then you have cancel culture running amok. People are being deplatformed and their livelihoods ruined. A former president's been removed from all social media. And now as a private citizen is being impeached. Amazon Web Services ghosted Parler. Even now, they're trying to destroy the My Pillow guy. Yeah, the My, Mike Lindell, the Mike Pillow guy, for the audacity of sharing a political belief shared by 74 million people. Like for the first time in my life, our present lives have become so uncertain, people are once again concerned about the future. Where are these things headed? Where's my place in it? You know, as Christians, it's only natural that when everything seems out of control, you begin to wonder about God's sovereign control. Is God off the job? Where is he? And it's in those moments, these type of cultural movements, that the book of Revelation is of such vital importance because it not only tells us the future, but it tells us, the one who holds the future in his hand. We're going to come back to that thought. I'd love to hear from you, the listening audience. Again, outlawradio.org is where you can find all of our contact information. You can email us at info at outlawradio.org, facebook.com slash the radio outlaw. You can watch the show live, recorded live every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Our YouTube channel is outlawradio.live. We also stream on Facebook. Every episode of the Outlaw Radio Show is podcasted in its entirety. Apple, Google, and Spotify. Again, I mentioned all of this stuff can be found at outlawradio.org. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Did you know beyond the unique content of the Outlaw Radio Show, Pastor Zach Adams also has an extensive teaching archive available online for free? If you love to study the Bible, we encourage you to check out C316.tv. Currently, Pastor Zach is teaching verse by verse through the Gospel of John, but C316.tv also has video, audio, and sermon notes for the Gospel of Mark, the Book of Acts, Ephesians, Genesis, Philemon, Jonah, Philippians, as well as an in-depth study on the Olivet Discourse and Jesus' seven letters to the churches recorded in Revelation 3, 
and 4. With over 17,000 minutes of expositional Bible teaching and more than 2,775 pages of written sermon transcripts, C316.tv is a must-visit for any serious student of the Bible. Welcome back to the Outlaw Radio Show. I'm talking about eschatology and trying to build the argument of why I feel eschatology is so relevant. Now, you need to understand that back in the 70s and 80s, while the book of Revelation was the correct place to turn, and the context of what was happening in the world. Sadly, though, I believe that the way the book was used by evangelicals was misguided. Like, take, for example, Hal Lindsey's The Late Great Planet Earth. You know, instead of presenting the gospel message of redemption from sin and the incredible transformation of the individual yielded through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the doctrine of salvation ended up being marketed as a golden ticket that would grant you to the great Willy Wonka factory in the sky. Like what's, what's a shame. And one reason that eschatology has developed a bad rap is that the approach to reaching a culture that's genuinely afraid of the future was to use the book of revelation to actually stoke those fears. Like for years, the common refrain from pulpits across America was, was not that not only their fears were justified, but that they needed to be afraid. Like the world was headed towards a reckoning. The Antichrist was at work. World War III was coming. Like the good news, or what we would call the gospel during this season, was the glorious truth that Jesus wanted to, to change your life. Wasn't the fact that Jesus wanted to change your life, but that he could save you from the great tribulation. You see, in the end, Jesus' salvation was kind of billed as your way out, an escape from Armageddon, your way to heaven the very moment things got bad on earth. Again, it led to this idea of escapism. Like Jesus was presented as a savior, but a savior from the coming apocalypse, not a savior from sin. Like during this time, evangelical tracts coined popular phrases like get right or get left or turn or burn. Like logically for such a, a, a pitch to land, urgency was necessary. To foster this sense of urgency for people to accept Jesus, pastors would take the current events of the day and read them into the Revelation narrative. Like the entire point was to show how the end times was coming quicker than anyone might realize, and you didn't want to miss the rapture. You know, even today, churches born in this period still do these type of prophecy updates where pastors theorize and speculate and bloviate as to where we stand on current things. You know, tragically, in more extreme cases, in order to gin up urgency, the urgency of choosing Jesus, pastors would fall into the trap of date setting. Setting actual times when, when Jesus was going to, to be coming back. The rapture would happen in 1981. When it didn't happen in 81, people were given 88 reasons why the rapture would happen in 88. When that prediction failed, new calculations were made. The rapture would happen with Y2K in the year 2000. Aside from the fact that prophecy updates and date setting using the book of Revelation make Christians look really foolish, it was during these years that the church had become so heavenly minded that we were no longer of any earthly use. You know, like one of the criticisms with the Christian community that studied the book of Revelation and believed in the rapture was that this church, the church that focused on these things, were obsessed, had become so obsessive with leaving earth that they had lost sight of their mission to planet earth. Like, here's my point in light of what's happening in our world. Like, I believe the book of revelation is more relevant than ever. As long as, as you present it the way and you understand it the way that God intended. Yes, it is a book that, that addresses the future and sure is brutally honest as to the trajectory of where all of these things lead and where our world will end. Like, and there's no doubt it can be scary at times. But you need to remember the future is revealed in this book, is revealed in prophecy for, for one reason. So that you might come to see Jesus in a new and radical way. Like, it's not an accident that the book of Revelation begins by literally declaring itself as, quote, the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's the unveiling of Jesus, the revelation of Jesus yeah, I'm convinced that what our culture needs most in these trying and difficult times, it's not a message of escapism, escaping a coming tribulation. And once more, it's totally inappropriate to use the book of Revelation to stoke people's fears. 
to conjure up more things to be afraid of, hoping that it motivates people to act. The gospel message of Jesus is not based on escapism, nor is it fatalistic. Like using the book of Revelation to make grand predictions as to how or when future events might happen isn't helpful. Like to use foxnews.com as a cipher by which you can understand prophecy, it's silly. Like, are we closer to the end times than any other point in history? Sure. And guess what? Tomorrow will be even closer. It's how time works. Jesus was clear that no man knows the day or the hour, so it's wrong for us to speculate. You see, I want to encourage you, if if you're a listener to the Outlaw Radio Show, in the midst of, of everything that's going on in this world, go to the book of Revelation. Yes, you will gain an insight into the end. We have nothing to fear. Yes, things seem out of control, but they very much remain under God's sovereign hand. Yes, you can go to prophecy and understand the end, but the purpose is to get a greater insight into the one who holds the end in his hands. Yes, it's to know the end, but it's the one, but it's knowing about the one who knows the end. The one who controls the end. Yeah, there's a lot of wickedness and injustice and terrible things in our world right now. But a a reckoning will come. Like, time is short. Our, Our purpose is not to leave planet Earth, but to see those who live on the planet come into a relationship with Jesus. The book of Revelation isn't to make you scared. It's not to freak you out. It's not to worry you. The book of Revelation, a greater understanding of the end, is to, is to help you come to know who Jesus is a little bit more than you did ahead of time. It's why, with the study that I'm doing right now at Calvary 316, Revelation of the King, that, that's, that's the theme. It's the revelation of Jesus, the King, the Christ. Everything about seeing the end is to reveal more about Jesus. I, I present it as the fifth gospel, that we get this, this like half the perspective. We get, we get a glimpse into who Jesus is. He's a lamb, as though he's been led to the slaughter, but the book of Revelation lets us know that he's a king. He's triumphal. Yes, he rode a donkey, but the day will come that he'll enter Jerusalem riding white stallion. Yes, he he will bear a a, a crown of thorns, but on the flip side to it, he he will have a, a golden crown and a scepter. He laid down his life as a suffering servant, but he will come back to rule and reign as the king of king and the lord of lords. Like, you need to know more about Jesus, who he is. In eschatology, the study of the end, not only does it help place the moment into a particular context, but it helps you see Jesus more clearly. Yeah, I'm not the, sharp, the sharpest tool in the shed. It took me a long time in high school to realize that the even-numbered answers to the questions in my math book, that those answers were provided in the back. Like, so in your, in your math textbook, you'd have these problems, but the answers to the even numbers are in the back of the idea is that if you have the answer to the problem, it can help you deconstruct the problem, make more sense of the problem. When you have the solution, the problem gains clarity. And we are dealing with a lot of problems. The ultimate solution to it all is Jesus Christ. And that's what the book of Revelation reveals. And when you see Jesus, and then you plug him into your problem, and what's going on in the world, things gain a new measure of clarity, a bit more understanding. Eschatology is more important than ever for all the cultural reasons I mentioned. We all need a fresh revelation of the king. You've been listening to the Outlaw Radio Show. If you like what you heard, I want to encourage you to contact your local Christian radio station. Thank them that they're carrying Outlaw Radio in your community. If you're listening on the radio, check out our podcast, Apple, Google, Spotify, If you're listening on the radio or the podcast, check out the live recording of the show uh, Wednesday nights at 8 o'clock. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is outlawradio.live. You can also uh, watch facebook.com slash theradiooutlaw. Uh, We'd love to hear from you, the listening audience, questions, comments, testimonials, critiques. The more the merrier. Check us out, outlawradio.org. All the information is there. Once again, my name is Zach Adams, and I hope you join me this time next week for more of the Outlaw Radio Show.
You've been listening to the one and only Outlaw Radio Show with Zach Adams. As mentioned, if you like what you heard, be sure to connect with us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter or check out our website by visiting outlawradio.org. To listen again to today's show, access our daily two-minute broadcast or full-length episodes, check out the Outlaw Radio podcast, available on both iTunes and Google Play. Once again, don't forget, we want to hear from you. If you have questions, want to challenge something that was said, or would like to submit topics you'd like to hear Zach discuss on air, you can either email us at info at outlawradio.org, or you can leave a voicemail at 678-883-3316. Finally, programs like Outlaw Radio are wonderful tools God can use to change lives. But as with any ministry, there are expenses involved. First, if you're not tithing to your local church, you need to do so. And yet, if God has laid it upon your heart to extend your generosity above and beyond your tithe, we'd ask that you prayerfully consider supporting Outlaw Radio. Every donation ensures this show remains on your local station. To learn how you can become a financial partner, please visit outlawradio.org. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We hope you join us again next week for the Outlaw Radio Show with Zach Adams. Outlaw Radio is a ministry of Calvary 316 in partnership with his productions.